Good morning. Um, so we are slowly closing in on the end of the fall 2023 Sunday school sessions. Um, today we're going to be spent. I sent uh, one article last last Sunday on um, children dealing with adult parent issues, uh, adult children dealing with parent issues. Uh, the way this week has gone, I'm not going to get there. Because uh, in so many conversations that I've had this week, the conversations have been wrapped around um, parents with adult children issues. So that's really where we're going to focus today. Um, I think it's a big need. Um, it's difficult. Um, of all of the sessions we've covered so far, this is probably the most challenging. Um, as I was ta talking last night and again this morning, um, there's nothing complex about this but it's hard. Um, so I want to get started in just a minute. Reminder, next week we cover anxiety, so going back to your booklets that I handed out earlier in the session, um, the anxiety one will be next week, depression will be the following week, and it's the timing, God's timing is so amazing because the mission <coughs> banquet, if you haven't signed up for that, please find the link that Gil sent and sign up. The missions banquet, which is on that Saturday, is covering depression issues, and that Sunday school lesson for that Sunday is covering depression issues. So God has worked it out so that clearly we need some time to think about this and to work through this. Kevin, can I say one thing on that real quick? Please. If you have not signed up, please let me know today. Uh, I need to send in a head count for, for the food this week. So please let me know today. Yo, I'm thinking about it. Randy, we are coming. Okay. Or put them down now. So before I get started, I want to pray. Um, are, is there anything that we need prayer for today? I'd say friends and family that we're reaching out to. If you keep praying for Sam, but he had a really good week. Really good week. Good color yesterday. Starting to get chemo, so things are things were good for a day. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Father, we humbly come before you as, as our gracious and loving Father, as the mighty counselor, the great healer, the great physician. Lord, we know what you're capable of. We know what you choose to do. And Father, we, sometimes we don't understand why you do the things that you do. But Father, we know we can trust you. We know that you have our best in your heart. You want what's best for us. And in that, you're going to give yourself glory, Father. And help us to, even in the most difficult times, to remember that we are in your heart. 
that you love us. Father, we pray for the friends and the families around us, the ones that we're constantly looking for opportunities to share the gospel with, the ones that are dealing with difficulties like we're going to talk about today. Father, we pray for chastened hearts. We pray for repentant hearts. We pray that your spirit will invade their lives and change and change them. Father, we pray for Sam. We, we, are, we give you praise for a good day yesterday. We praise you for um, showing your power and giving him good color. Father, we pray that you will just continue to strengthen him through these, these treatments, Lord. I pray for the family, that, that you will give them comfort and encouragement as they support him through this. Father, we pray for uh, John and Kristen and the family as they walk through this difficult path of helping John's mom move and all the difficulties that, that are embedded in that. Um, I, I thank you that John and Kristen in the difficulties, continue to honor his mom. Father, we pray for Anna. Um, we, we thank you for the good spirits that she has. We, we thank you that um, the difficulties aren't worse than they, they could definitely be. Uh, Father, we pray that you will heal her arm and her leg uh, quickly that you will shower your love and your compassion and your patience on David and Anna. And Father, we pray for Tommy's sister, Micah. Lord, cancer is a, a nasty thing. And Father, we pray that you will... Well, we pray first for a miracle, if it is your will, Lord, that you will just take it away. We know you can. We've seen you do it. But Lord, we also know that sometimes you say, no, you need to walk through this. Father, I pray for courage for patience, for trust, for her, for Tommy, for the family. Father, more than anything, just help us to trust you more through all of these difficulties. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's going to look a little different. Um, I've got more than I care to admit to, to cover. Um, so I'm going to try to move very quickly through a lot of the stuff that I've got to talk about. There's going to be a lot less scripture than normal. You guys have been with me going through this, and I'm very scripture heavy usually. There's a lot of scripture to go back and forth through. There's not going to be a lot of that today. Scripture's clear. We're going to talk about one or two things. Uh, I'm going to throw some other references in, but I'm going to focus heavy on application. What does this look like? So the first question I have, and, and I'm not going to wait for for comments on these, I'm just going to move through these fairly quickly. What is parenting? So what is parenting? Well, first, parenting is temporary. Now, your, your role as a parent never changes from the time they're born to the time that they die. Your role as a parent never changes. But the task of parenting is temporary. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The explicit command there is you're going to leave your father and mother. Therefore, at that point, you no longer are under the authority of your mother and father. So there's a temporariness to the parenting task. Okay? 
The other implicit command there, mom and dad, is you have to let them leave. You have to let them leave. God's commanding them to go. You are, you are, you are in, a, in um, difficulty with God at that moment because you're wanting them to stay. He's wanting them to go. And you're basically not fighting them. You're fighting God on this. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. So there's a point at which your child no longer is a child. They are a man or a woman. So your parenting task is temporary. Um, Please turn to Proverbs chapter 1. So the question then is, as I said at the beginning, what is parenting? So think of it from this perspective, Proverbs chapter 1, and I'm going to jump to chapter 2 as well. I'm just going to read this because I want you to hear it. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So what's your role as a parent? To know wisdom and discipline, to understand the sayings of understanding, to receive discipline that leads to insight, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to give prudence to the simple, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. Let the wise man hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire guidance to understand a proverb and enigma the words of the wise and their riddles the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge ignorant fools despise wisdom and discipline your role as a parent Proverbs 1 is to give your children wisdom understanding and discipline look look at chapter 2 my son if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you to make your ear pay attention to wisdom, incline your heart to discernment. If you call out for understanding and give your, vo- give your voice for discernment, if you seek as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. And it goes on. The entire book of Proverbs is a father speaking to a son. Okay? Now, Proverbs are Proverbs. They're not absolute truths. As you work through Proverbs, I'm going to touch on different Proverbs as we go. It's not saying that this is absolutely what will happen. The general premise is generally, if you follow this, this is the result you will get. So there are a number of Proverbs that people use as absolute truths. And when it doesn't come true, you're like, well, see, Scripture is not true. No, you don't understand what a proverb is. It doesn't have to do with the fact that Scripture is not true. It's the fact that you're not understanding. Okay. So when does parenting end? That's, al- that's obviously the next question, right? If it's temporary, when's it end? Okay. Now, this is, this is tough because life was different in Old Testament times. We still need to go there and see what was going on. Life is different in our time, in New Testament times, and in our time, life is different. So you as a parent have to figure some of this out. But you know what? God gives us some guides in this. So let me walk through some of these guides, and you can try to figure out where this is going to be for you and your children. Uh, Genesis 4.9 is a passage that talks about Cain and Abel. So Cain and Abel living in proximity to Adam and Eve, mom and dad. 
Cain sins, murders his brother, does God hold the parents accountable? No, he holds the kid, he holds Cain accountable. Which means there's at some point, even in the living proximity to your kids, they still have to face the consequences of their own actions and it's not your responsibility. So there is that time. We've already discussed that. Uh, John chapter 2, verse 4. And Jesus uh, has gone to the wedding in Cana and Galilee. And his mom comes to him when they run out of wine and says, hey, they've run out of wine. And he says, what do I have to do with you, woman? Remember that? Okay. There, my time has not yet come. So there's the, there's the implication of his role on earth. But the other side of that, too, is if you remember before that, when he went to the temple when he was 12, it said that when he went home with his mom and dad, he lived under their authority during that time. Well, now his mom's telling him something's wrong. He's saying, what do I have to do with that? There was even a point in Jesus's life where his mom's authority didn't hold sway over him. Numbers 1, verse 3. Um, in, in Israel, when Israel was being numbered for war, everybody 20 years of age and older were counted in that number and were sent to war. 20 years old. Numbers 32, 11. Caleb and Joshua had just come back with the other 10 spies that went into the land. They gave a good report. The 10 gave a bad report. Everybody in Israel, including the parents, listened to the bad report. So what was God's judgment? Every person, every man, 20 years and older, were judged and not allowed to enter the promised land. 20 years and older. They were held accountable. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals the blind man. The man had been blind since birth. And the parents are called before the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And they're said, they're said wow, what, what's going on here? And this is the parents' response. How he now sees, we don't know. Who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. So through Scripture, there's a point of coming of age. In the Old Testament, it was 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, singleness and it's, uh, is a discussion on singleness. And it's the person's choice for singleness, not the parent's choice. And then, of course, I'm hearing it already. Well, You've already taught on parents and children, so what about Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2? Children, obey your parents. Right? But you can't take that verse out of the context of the rest of the Bible. In Genesis, in Genesis, he says, man will leave father and mother. So at some point, Ephesians 6, 1, the obedience of parents to children no longer applies. However, verse 2 never changes. Honor your father and mother. So you can't take it out of context. You have to read it in context with the whole thing. Okay? Now, there's also a responsibility for adult children in this. Okay? 1 Timothy 5.4 talks about that if there's any widow that has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family to make some return to their parents. So there's a responsibility at adulthood for our children to be thinking about how you can help care for your family, your parents. Okay? And this is important. This is the passage in 1 Timothy 5, right, that's talking about widows, right? And you know what it says at the end of that passage? Adult children listening. 
If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Adult children. Adult children. What's the point here? Well, the point is, in all of this, is we all need grace. Okay? Uh, Every generation in our home is proud, selfish, and demanding. Don't be surprised by sin. We're all sinners. Now, the parent of the adult children, I'm older, I've been through more, I know more. Do you see the pride? Now, Ephesians chapter 4. Let me jump over to Ephesians just for a minute. I want to work through a couple of verses here because it's very apropos to this. Uh, 4 verse 1. To walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called with, here it is, all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. So parents dealing with their adult children, humility. Have, have you ever done a word search for the word humility in the New Testament? Every passage in the, in the New Testament that talks about your relationship with other people, guess which word they always start with? Humility. Humility and gentleness. 14, so that we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness of deceitful scheming. So the whole goal of your parenting is not to, I told you so, it's to guide your children. You're to be that guide that leads them to wisdom so that you can let them go knowing that they have the tools they need to be successful in God's world. Um, okay. Galatians 6.1, brothers, if anyone is caught in, and this is important because I've had a couple of conversations this week that had to do with um, holding people accountable. And this is that not complex but hard thing. Okay, It's hard to sit, on the, sit at the table across from somebody else and say to them, I think you're sinning. I need you to repent. And if you don't, there's the door. We love you. It's not complex. But it's hard. But it comes back to the humility piece here, right? First uh, Timothy five says, "Don't sharply rebuke an older man, but plead with him as with a father. Don't sharply rebuke the younger men, but plead with them as a brother. Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. In all purity." It doesn't say don't rebuke. It says, don't rebuke sharply. Galatians 6.1, and this is why this is so important. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are spiritual. Restore one in a spirit of gentleness, each of you looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So in this process, so now we're going to start moving into how do we do this? when we're talking about parents and adult children, how do we do this? In this mindset of how do we do this, you have to make sure that humility is your guide, that gentleness is your guide. The remembering. If if you've ever 
if you've ever read through this, the Gospel Primer for Christians, and it's interesting. I was Saturday. I was talking to um, a brother, and I used a an illustration from this, and then I went home and read this, and I actually used the exact illustration for that day. It's funny how how God does that. And this is for parents. This is important. Viewing life's blessings as water in a drinking cup. I know I could discontentedly focus on the half of the cup that seems empty. Or I could gratefully focus on the half that's full. Certainly the latter approach is better than the two, yet the gospel cultivates within me a a richer gratitude than this. The gospel reminds me first what I actually deserve is a full cup churning with the torments of his wrath. This is the cup that would be mine to drink if I were given what I deserve each day. With this understanding in mind, I see that to be handed a completely empty cup would be cause enough for infinite gratitude. If there were merely the tiniest drop of blessing in the bottom of that cup, I should be blown away by the unbelievable kindness of our God. That God, in fact, has given me a cup. Ephesians 1.38. So, sorry, Ephesians 1.3. That is full of every spiritual blessing in Christ. And without the slightest mixture of wrath, leaves you dumbfounded with inexpressible joy. You have to remember that when dealing with your adult children. What you truly deserve, but what you are truly given instead. So parents, where do we go first? First steps for mom and dad. And I'm going to run through these. These notes are on the website, so if you need to get back and grab them and read through them and study them yourselves. Most of these uh, applications come from this book, Never Stop Being a Parent. 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our command is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and an unhypocritical faith. That should be your goal for your children. How do we do that? Teach your children the love of God in Christ Jesus, number one. Number two, teach your children to fear God and live for His glory, Deuteronomy and Matthew. Show your children, are you hearing this? Show your children how to put others ahead of themselves. Don't tell your children. Show them. Four, help your children learn how to communicate with wisdom and humility. That would require us learning how to communicate with wisdom and humility. Number five, teach your children God's design for sex and marriage. Number six, teach your children to choose their friends carefully. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. Number seven, let your children practice. Let your children practice making choices of adulthood. If you don't let them practice when they have the opportunity to do it, they're going to do it wrong and there's going to be consequences that they can't fix. If you let them practice now where they make those mistakes now, mom and dad can come to the rescue and guide them in the way that it's done properly. Number eight, teach your children the true value of hard work and money. So that leads us to uh, Twixters and adult adolescents. Those are the new words, right, for, for this generation. Twixters and adult adolescents. Those are the, those that are um, out of high school, 
maybe they've graduated from college, they've moved back into your house, and they're living with you. Okay? First of all, not all adult children living at home is a bad thing. If there's a purpose and a plan to the reason that they're there, we call it home for a season and a reason. They're at home for a season and a reason. So it doesn't have to be a dedicated amount of time. You're here for three months, and that's all you got. It doesn't have to be that. Okay? But there should be a purpose to their being there. We want to help you get to a place where that you have enough saved up where you can put a down payment on a house or to, to do the down payments for getting into a, a, an apartment on your own. We want to help you there. We want to get you there. And this is the process we're going to go through to do that. Have a purpose and a plan for your Twixters. Okay, that's, that's the term I'm going to use at this point. Okay? When does the season need to end? When you see self-gratification, immaturity, or selfishness becoming their way of life, it needs to end. Proverbs 16.26 says, A worker's appetite works for him because his mouth urges him on. Well, if you're constantly feeding him, that's never going to happen, is it? Proverbs 28.19, He who cultivates the ground will be satisfied with food, but he who pursues empty things will be satisfied with poverty. So, first hard question for parents. Uh, Is pleasing your children more important than pleasing God? And this is where I'm going to go to 1 Samuel. And you probably have heard this story, but I'm going to kind of walk through this with you. 1 Samuel, um, Eli is the is the the chief pre, the the lead the lead um, the lead priest his sons Hophni and Phineas are priests under him and verse 12 of chapter 2 says now the sons of Eli were vile men now remember these are priests they are vile men they did not know Yahweh verse 17 the the sins of these young men were very great before Yahweh for the men spurned the offerings of Yahweh. So there's a whole thing in here of that as priests, they're supposed to do specific things and do spe- take specific tasks, take a specific amount of meat. They were taking advantage of that. They were, um, now Eli was very old and he heard that his sons were doing what his sons were doing to all of Israel, how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Okay, now here it is. People are going to say, well, he, he dealt with his children. So he said to them, Why do you do such things, the evil things that I hear from these people? No, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear from the people that, uh, passing about. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against Yahweh, who can pray for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father because Yahweh wanted to put them to death. Um, do you hear the nag in that? Why are you doing this? It's not good that you do this. You shouldn't be doing that. Stop doing that. You need to get off the couch. You need to put the video games away. You need to... You hear it? Okay? Eli was a nag. Some of us are nags. And Yahweh said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, which both ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. In that day I will establish against Eli... All that I have spoken concerning his house. I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever because he did not rebuke them. Well, didn't it sound like he rebuked them? 
Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. He chose to please his children and then please God and he was judged for it forever. His house was judged for it forever. So, is this the only place in Scripture that talks about this? Well, no, I'm glad you asked. David's failure with his sons who raped and murdered led to a civil war. In Deuteronomy, it states the father is not responsible for the son's sins and the sons are not responsible for the father's sins. However, parents are responsible for what happens under their roof. If your children are living outside of your home, they're responsible for their sins. If you're facilitating their sins, you're responsible. When you enable sinful lifestyles of your children by allowing them to live with you, giving them food, giving them money, taking care of them, you dishonor the Lord God and you share in the sin and guilt of your children. Proverbs 13.24 says, He who holds back his rod from his son hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Now, you can't beat an adult son in our world today. You can't beat an adult son. And you're going, what do I do? Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. For the one who's been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. A young adult who is foolish, lazy, disrespectful, immoral, will not be persuaded by parental nagging and whining. It is only decisive action that will get his attention. We cannot spank a 20-year-old, but we can stop paying for their things, take away their car, their cell phone, their credit card, especially if it's my car. We can establish requirements as condition for remaining in our house, and we can evict her if she refuses to follow reasonable rules. Galatians 6-7 reminds us, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Now, if you're allowing your son or daughter to sow that lifestyle, don't be surprised when they reap the benefits of that lifestyle. So, what to do with your Twixters? Let's make it real. What do you do with your Twixter? Set ground rules. Okay, now, don't forget, there's a difference between the Twixter who's living with you, whose life is, is above reproach, who's respectful, who's responsible, who's saving money, who's doing the things that you ask them to do to help out with the house. That's a different person than dealing with the one who's living with you because they racked up $32,000 in debt and now they can't pay their bills. You see the difference. Okay, we're going to deal with the second, not the first. Okay, the second can be there as long as you feel comfortable with them being there and they're showing progress and, and they're showing production in their lifestyle. You get to set the time limit on that. Let's talk about the other one, the problem one. Set ground rules. Set ground rules. Be specific. Expect their time to be productive. This is your schedule. This is the schedule you need to follow. These are the, Now, what does productive look like? It looks different for different people. If it's a male, you better be working 40 hours a week. And if I'm working 50 hours in my house, you better be working 50 hours. That may be a job. That may be a job for 30 hours and working with me in the yard for 20 hours. But if I'm putting out a specific amount of time, you better be coming close to that. 
Laziness is stealing. Laziness is stealing. Expect them to be financially responsible. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they have to pay all the bills of the house. Okay? They're not going to get anywhere if they're paying all of your bills, right? But they need to be financially responsible. Maybe they're in a position where they're doing what they need to do. They can still cover their expenses. They can cover their cell phone. They can cover their entertainment, whatever their entertainment happens to be. They can pay for their own gas. They can pay for their own car insurance. Expect them to be financially responsible. Anything that's personal expenses. Extravagance or debt. Okay, you want to talk extravagance? Uh, You're living in my house. You're supposed to be saving money for a down payment and you go out and buy a brand new car. That's extravagance. Uh, you have 20000 in debt and you're living in my house. And tomorrow, next month, you've got 25000 in debt. we got a problem. That's extravagance. They, are, they should not be allowed to live at home. Establish reasonable moral standards. Drunkenness, substance abuse, sexual immorality, you don't live here. Not because I'm trying to control you, because those actions dishonor God, and that is your problem, is you're dishonoring God in this. And it will not happen in my home. Whether you do it here or do it somewhere else, as long as you're living with me, these are the things you will not do. Now, having said all of that, don't micromanage your kid. Okay? They are an adult. Okay? So what does that look like? We're going to talk about that. Okay? Failure to meet your expectations must have consequences, and if you truly love them for their sake, please follow through. So what's it look like for the parent? We've come down pretty hard on the kid living at home. Let's look at for the parent for a second. We've already talked about how important humility is. I'm going to come right back to that really quick here. Matthew 7 talks about taking the log out of your own eye before you go after the speck in somebody else's. Don't care how bad your kid's acting, make sure you take the log out of your own eye first. Because the one thing that you're going to get returned to your face is, well, what are you to talk to me about that when you're doing this? Take the log out of your own eye first. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus comes to us gentle and lowly in heart. This is how he treats us. Remember that discussion about the cup? It's how he treats us. It's how we should be treating our kids. So you humbly give clear expectations. Make it clear. Uh, You say, I've said this twice, right? Make it clear. Well, you should know doesn't fly. If it's that important to you, put it in writing. If it's that important to you, make a contract with them. They are adult children. They are your adult children. Make a contract with them. And give them, like with any contract, the ability to have a say in it. Humility makes the effort to communicate. You heard that? Makes the effort to communicate. Communication is work. And you have to work at it. And this is another one. Respect their individuality. Respect their individuality. They're 22, they're living in your house, and they've decided that, you know, Dad, Mom, 
I really don't like Grace. Don't feel comfortable at Grace. But you know what? There's this other church. They believe the same stuff that we believe. John knows their pastor, and he meets with them every week. So it's a pastor that we have great confidence in. Um, I want to go over there. Okay. Sounds good. Respect their individuality. Humility admits sin and wrong. You've got to be open to your children to say, I blew it. I messed up. This is what I did wrong. And humility overlooks forgiveness. Overlooks and forgives. Proverbs 19, 1 Peter 4. So the last piece here, and then I'm going I'm to done. There's more, but get the notes if you want to read it. Um, when is help too much help? James 1.5, when you need wisdom, ask God. James 1.5, when you need wisdom, ask God. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean, oh, I prayed about it. Now go find it. Because we speak to Him through prayer. He speaks to us right here. So pray about it, and then go see what He says. Because He's going to tell you. Okay? Sinful choices. Drunkenness. Sexual promiscuity. Laziness. Slothfulness. These are not diseases. They are choices. Your child is revealing their beliefs and what they're worshiping. Love, many times, is saying no. Saying no is not saying, I don't love you anymore. That's not what no is saying. No is saying, I will not unconditionally and repeatedly give you help on your terms. Offer your help that pleases God. If what you're doing is causing them to be slothful, lazy, arrogant, then what you're doing is contributing to their sin. Your help needs to please God. Don't just help them out of the jam. Sometimes it's good to help them out of a jam. But you have to go to the root cause. What caused this problem? Are you worshiping money? Are you worshiping women? Are you worshiping your boyfriend? Are you worshiping what, what's causing this problem? Is your, your house a halfway house? Some of us, this has been part of our life, right? We've got uh, Pam and I have a nephew who lives a very ungodly life. He's, uh, I believe that he's an unbeliever. Um, and he's constantly in and out, in and out, in and out of his mom's house and his mom's life. Is your house a halfway house? Okay. Now understand, this is not the same as the child remaining at home, living through the process of getting to full independence. This is somebody whose trust in their parents' trust in them has been shattered and it needs to be rebuilt. Is there a time and a place for this? Yes. Is it a debt problem that's brought them home to you? They need to be on a budget. They need accountability financially. And they need to be okay with it. Is it a substance abuse problem? They need accountability of time, money, and they need to be drug tested. I told you this is going to be very practical. Are they going to complain? Well, I'm an adult. Well, if you're an adult, you would have made choices that went along with being an adult. 
you have not made those choices, therefore you're acting like a child, therefore we have to do these things to help you become the adult that you're supposed to be. I am not the enemy. I am not the problem as the parent. My role is to help you become the man or the woman, the adult man or woman that God has meant you to be. And that's what this is meant for. Not to be mean to you, to treat you like you're an infant, but to help you get to where you're supposed to be. You don't have a you have a problem with that? Time to live somewhere else. As I said, this is not complex. But it's hard. Pam and I have walked it. And we've had that time where that child left and was gone for six years. So what's it mean to forfeit your home? If they're a member of Grace. The elders should be involved and church discipline needs to be active. If they're a member at Grace, the elders should be involved, church discipline should be active. Number one. Number two, if they're a lawbreaker, they need to face their consequences. Don't hire them a lawyer. They need to understand the consequences of their actions. Has your child committed crime that you're aware of? big time crime that you're aware of sometimes you need to turn them in if the child will not live in your home and abide by your rules then they don't need to live in your home and remember what's going on with your child they're an adult they've made their choices they're dealing with their consequences it's not your fault It's their folly. It's their idol worship. It's the things that they want that have led to this. It's not your fault. Now, that being said, if you're facilitating that by allowing them to live with you and do those things while they're there, you, you stand guilty in this. But if you're doing everything you can to guide them towards God and they still choose to do those things, it's not your fault. And when, you, when they leave the home, that doesn't mean you shun them. Hey, we want you to come over for dinner on Thursday nights. We want to spend time with you. Family events, you should be at every family event. You just can't live on our home like that. But we still love you, and we want you here. And when they're repentant, then they come home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you don't leave us without answers. We pray for wisdom and for strength because these things are not easy. They are so hard. But thank you for not making it complicated that we can understand There are many sitting in this room right now who are dealing with these very things. Father, if they're the parent who facilitates, Father, burden their heart for repentance. If they're the parent who is not facilitating, but they're struggling, Lord, give them courage. 
give all of us the ability to trust you and to move forward the way you would desire to bring our children to the glory of God in these things. In Jesus' name, amen.